Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever get this? You get an email from somebody out of the blue, somebody you never met, uh, who wants you to do something or turn up at something or be involved in something. You're going to say signed but with an X. <laughs> no. And then you respond. And then two weeks later, it strikes you, I've never had a response to my response. You know, I wonder if my response went missing or went to a, a wrong address or whatever. And then after two weeks, you get a follow-up to the first email saying, well, if you think you're too big to respond to my emails, you know what I mean? All, all it would take is a simple yes or no, and then you get really cross. And but you, you actually re- had that. Then you respond again to the to well, the say, email. this is the thing I sent well, you two weeks ago. Well, yeah. I mean, you must have had that kind of thing. And, and, so, and so, well, because you only one thought goes through your mind spam filter yeah <laughs> you've sent this to somebody whose spam filter is cutting it out is holding it back for one reason or another and then you keep getting emails and you're really frustrated because you're responding and, and the, the more you respond the worse it gets you know what i mean they're all going into it is this, this kind of screaming voice. yeah <laughs> so anyway if you're the person who emailed me and is thinking how cross you are that I haven't responded to you, check your spam filter. It might be there. Okay. All right. Moving That's on. That's off your chest. Yes. Oh, sorry. I just, I just had to get it off my chest. So, Barry Cryer. Oh, Barry Cryer. Barry Cryer, a person who very we close met to our Jimmy. hearts. Oh, yes. wonderful man. Well, you must have met him on more than one occasion. I met him loads of times, actually. Yeah, he's, he was the... Uh, he was the kind of um, MC of the oldie magazine lunches, which I've been to a few. I thought he was absolutely... I mean, it's interesting that everybody has is universally loved, wasn't he? Absolutely. One of those people, a bit like Sean Locke, where the first thing everyone says is, I met him and I thought he was just absolutely adorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he really was. And that lovely idea that he had a joke for every guy. His son described him as a comedy jukebox, which is a brilliant thing. You just You take a subject and he had a gag. He's got one. <laughs> 
I know it's so funny, and also the most selfless guy, and incredibly connected with the younger generation. Wasn't he? It wasn't like he got off the bus. No, at one no, point. no, no. You know, he was touring with Tony Demir, although Tony Demir is not particularly young, but you know, and playing Glastonbury and things like that, and supporting all these new comedy uh, people. And I just, I he was just a delightful guy. I tell you, the, the gorgeous the... chuckle when he was on oh, the yeah. radio. You just That's hear the him thing just, on just... panel games. On panel games, he did the thing that most panelists don't do because most com- comedians. In my experience, they're not very generous with their laughter. No. If anybody else has made they're the They're worried about their slot and making Whereas the Whereas right Barry impact. Cryer was always very generous. You could hear him laughing yeah. uh, at, at, at other comics' gags. And really so, selfless. You know, people have... Uh, uh, there was an interview with him recently where he's been asked about Morecambe and Wise, who he wrote a lot for, and said his favourite Morecambe and Wise gag. You think he might mention something he wrote. He doesn't. He mentions an Eric Morecambe gag. It's that lovely yeah. one where they have Vera Lynn on. And Morecambe decided it'd be really funny if she pretended she didn't know she'd been asked to sing. And so Ernie goes, how are we going to get her to sing? And Eric goes, well, short of starting another war, I'm not really yeah. sure. Yeah. It's, it's interesting in the people's uh, reminiscences of Barry Cryer this week, the number of people who said, he used to ring me up. I know. Regularly. Well, so On my birthday. Obviously, every morning, he must have had a list of about 10 people. He just had to ring and, and, and tell a gag to, you know, that was just the kind of well, person. He, he awesome. always rang people on their birthdays, yeah. didn't he, fellow comedians? It's interesting that he rang pretty much all of them, you know. <laughs> they were all, the first person went, well, you know, you won't believe this, but he used to ring me on my birthday. And then by the, by the hundredth person saying, you know, as you say, this must have been a kind of full-time occupation. I've got my one personal reminiscence, which really sure. goes back a long, it must be, go back 40 years now, I count them. Because I think it will have been on in 1982 or 1981 that Smash Hit sent me down to a recording of the Kenny Everett video show down oh, right. in yeah, yeah. Which, uh, he or wrote, didn't he? which he was one of the writers and kind of kind of co-producer, really. He was there, you know. And so there was Kenny Everett. And I think that John Junkin might have been involved as well. Yeah. And 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 Barry Cryer. And the guest group, the pop group, were the pretenders. Uh, you know, the original lineup of the pretenders, Chrissy Hine, Pete, Pete Fand, and James Honeyman Scott. What's the Martin drama Chambers. called? Martin Chambers. There you go. And and they were doing some spoof where they were they were supposed to be dressed up as a kind of outrageous punk rock group, you know, that I don't know. I think if you if you go back and look at the issue of Smash Hits, you'll see pictures of Chrissy Hind all done up with kind of safety pins and so forth. And James Honeyman Scott decided that he would complete the look if he removed his shirt. And so he took the stage to, you know, to be filmed wearing leather trousers, boots, and no shirt. And I was standing there looking at him while, while Barry Crowell just wandered past. Oh, it reminds me, must get some lard. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I quoted it in the piece, actually. That is, I hope you did. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I always, I, I, I always thought that one of his funniest jokes was that because it was so surreal, you just don't expect the ending. And I'm sure you know it. Do you know the one about the guy who walks into the, the pub and and uh, half his head is half of a huge orange? Do you know this one? Go on. Go on. <laughs> and uh, and the publican says, uh, "Look, I, it's really rude. And I shouldn't really be asking, but I'm just curious. How come half your head is half of a huge orange?" And he said, oh, well, I was up in the attic the other day and I found this lamp and I was giving it a polish. And this genie came out and, you know, usual things, things are three wishes. And I said, my first wish was I could have a million pounds in my pocket. And every time I took it out, it'd be replaced by another million pounds. He says, okay, wish granted. And 
second wish. I'd like, I'd, like I'd like a big house with 100 beautiful women. He says, no problem, that's granted to. And when he said, what's your third wish? I said, I'd like to have um, half my head uh, <laughs> as half of a huge orange. <laughs> <laughs> oh well so funny because you just can't see it coming oh god so no, god, god bless barry cry you know, a, a life well lived you know absolutely entertaining to the end um I, I bought some i bought some cds i want to tell you, tell you about Go the on. cds i bought this week Go on. because it's really odd the way things find their way to you i bought it arrived yesterday i bought marvin gaze here my dear Oh, the, fa- oh, the famous yes. record, the, the, the kind of divorce, made about his divorce Yeah, exactly. About yeah. his divorce from Anna Gordy. Why did I buy that, Mark? Because you might know why I bought this. I'm not getting divorced. Um, why we got a hint this week to buy this, didn't we? We and it's interesting how this work, how this has worked during lockdown. We've been talking to loads of guests via Zoom, either kind of you know, um, journalists and, and DJs and so forth, or Patreon supporters celebrating their birthday, where people people talk about their favorite records or the best record ever made or whatever. And it's remarkable how many times you, I'm doing these things. I think, do you know, I've never heard that record or I haven't heard it for years or whatever. And I'll go away and listen to it again. David Sigerson was talking about this this week, wasn't he, Mark? He was. He laughing gay here, my dear. Um, we did uh, the great David Sigerson, who's who, uh, kind of songwriter, record executive, uh, record maker, journalist, He's novelist. He's our great Christmas favourite single, which we always plug every year, which is It's a Big Country. It's a Big really Country. Yeah. Records in the early 80s. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, that was one of his nominations for Greatest Record Ever Made here, my dear. Here's another one, actually. It's really unexpected stuff. Um, uh, Miles Davis, Jack Johnson, which he he, he recommended. Yeah, he was talking and, about that too. Yeah, which I've been playing a lot of. So I, I want to know if you've ever had this. I got this this week. The complete recordings of Blossom Deary, the great jazz singer. Uh, the complete recordings from 1952 to 1962. So there's something like. You know, something like nine albums here on these yeah. four CDs. So they're all crammed in. It's kind of budget label. It's really well done. You know, there's hundreds and hundreds of tracks, four CDs. Have you ever had that thing where you open a four CD package for the first time and you hear that distant clicking sound that indicates a little bit of the plastic casing has, has just off. detached <laughs> from the main thing, which means... For the rest of your life with this CD, yeah, you the, won't really dare take it out. Yeah, you know, it's will somebody please? I know and this may be a bit late in the game for the CD. Will somebody please invent a decent way of holding four CDs in some kind of jewel case that doesn't absolutely drive you mad? Anyway, that's uh, that's my grouse, and I gotta plug one thing floating points. Have you ever heard of floating points? Nope. Floating Points is the name of a, of a British um, keyboard player, artist, uh, musician. This is a record he's made uh, with the London Symphony Orchestra and Pharaoh Sanders. Pharaoh Sanders, the great yeah. jazz saxophone player. I didn't know Pharaoh Sanders was still with us. And this was recommended by Will Hodgkinson of the Times. I recommended it as one of his records of last year. Will Hodgkinson is going to be joining us. Yeah, isn't we're going he? to work in your attic with him. In due course, forward in your attic. And so I read this. He recommended this. And I thought, that sounds intriguing. So I got that. And it is intriguing. Absolutely. If you're just looking for a record that's 
completely not like anything else that you've got. Have a go at that. That's my recommendation. We should do a regular thing, actually, because the things that people mention to us on Word in Your Attic, it is true. You go back and listen to them and rediscover them, and it's brilliant, isn't it? Or I've never heard them. You know, because oh, that's the thing. Them. You know, people always say, oh, have you never heard so Yeah. <laughs> You know, I hate it when people say that. you get that occasion. You're meant to know a lot about music. And you... yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but it's also the implication that uh, that they've heard everything. Yeah. No, they haven't. They've just heard those things. Yeah, you know you what I mean? come up with hundreds of things that they've never heard. And, you know, it's uh, it's it's like I, I was th- I was thinking this. Um, well, we were talking to Bob Stanley this week, you know, uh, and Bob Stanley's got a got a, a new book coming out in May, which is kind of largely about pre-rock and roll popular music, isn't it? It's from the kind of yeah. the, the late 19th century. Yeah, it's the, three, it's, three it's the invention of the 78 up until the kind of late yeah, 60s, yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, Bob knows a huge amount about music, probably a lot more than I do. But the you know, the thing I learned, I remember I remember so vividly learning this when in my mid-20s I went to work in a huge record shop. Knowing a lot about music, and within two days, you realize what I know about music is about that much of what there is to know about music. You know, because you're surrounded by people who, A, know a lot more than you do, B, know a lot about different things than you do, you know. And the the great thing about Bob's book is it's a kind of journey of discovery of loads and loads of other things that he wasn't wildly familiar with, you know. So it's the antithesis of, oh, have you never heard that? (laughs) Completely. Well, mostly it's about blues singers and jazz singers and ragtime and stuff like that. But funnily enough, one of the tracks we were talking about was a a, a song called uh, Michelangelo by the 23rd Turnoff. Yes. Psychedelic group. It's a classic thing to me. And I had a look at them. Actually, when I played it, he sent it to me. He sent it to me, yeah. I remember I'd heard it. And it was really wonderful. It's really wonderful. But there's a group that just appeared and I think they only made one single. That's it, and it's just fantastic. And well, I think the reemerged. Undiscovered of, stories waiting for you. One of them reemerged a few years later as member of the Liverpool Express. You did, who, right. who had a little bit of success. I think yeah, you, you know. Did. So you did. yeah, I love that idea that there's no music so obscure that it hasn't got somebody in the world somebody carry, waving a flag carrying a little torch oh, carrying a torch I know it's partly it's obscurity that makes them want to carry a torch for the moment lots of people discover it I'll drop it but uh, it, that was brilliant so look are you following the, the Neil Young Spotify story hey, I, I, would, attempt, I wouldn't say following I, I, I attempt to trace it to its source which is always the difficulty with these with these stories you know because you can you kind of arrive at these stories at the point where everybody's taking these massive positions on things and then you you go back and you try and work out where did this all come from you know and it's it's usually a lot more impress a lot less impressive than uh, than the postures that people adopt should um, might indicate because actually yeah neil young removed from spotify i went and looked this morning and he's still on spotify so you know if you <laughs> If you want to listen to Heart of Gold on Spotify, you can do that, you know. And and the same thing applies to Joni Mitchell. It's all there because presumably taking your music off these it's probably services. really complicated. It's possibly. I'm not. I'm probably thinking this might all die down, and you know, just we'll just all forget about it. You I, know? I don't know. I don't know how the ownership of these things work and what kind of control people have got over. Also, over he the, sold half like, his song catalog, didn't he? So, yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't know. How, I mean, if you've sold your song catalog, 
are you still getting revenues from stuff played on 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 Spotify? I mean, I Bob really... Dylan sold all his songs. Isn't he? So if you stream Bob Dylan's, you know, I want you this morning, would you get any money from it? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Don't the answer to that, and it may vary from deal to deal. Um, but it, it's kind of it's a funny old business, isn't it? Really, and it's it's kind of interesting. What's because it's a little bit parallel to what's happening in the world of streaming uh, uh, video at the moment. I don't know if you noticed this, but you know it was it was a case about I don't know a year ago, two years ago, yeah. whatever. Most things were on Netflix. Yeah, you know, most of the obvious stuff was on Netflix, and what and that that turned out to be such a money spinner. You know, streaming film that all the individual rights holders want to start their own. And so Disney, you know, this is why Disney spent so much money on Get Back, because it's all a way of getting Disney into people's homes. And what Disney then started God, doing being successful. Is, yeah. re <laughs> is reclaiming from Netflix their products onto their own service. Yeah. And the same thing will happen with Apple and will happen with other, other companies in the future, you know, that – that people will will seek to be more exclusive on services, which is it's interesting, you know, how that will work in terms of the public, really, isn't it? You know, how would you feel if you, um, you know, if, if you could only get certain music on certain services, and then if you're going to have to have other music, you'd have to go to other services, which you'd also have to pay for. I don't, I don't know how people would feel. Convenient, wouldn't it? Well, it'd be expensive, apart from anything else. I would have thought. I mean Neil Young, to be fair, he's he's very well placed to do this because he has he has built up his own um, no Neil Young archive service, which he's been doing for a number of years. Yeah, he has, and, and you can pay Neil you know, Young if he wasn't on Spotify, you can hear him in loads of places. Uh, well, you can hear Apple Music and, yeah. uh, and all these other places. You can probably hear him on YouTube. I I, I don't know. It's interesting. My my son said to me the other day, completely out of nowhere. Has Neil Young got a new album out by any chance? I said, <laughs> funny you should say that. Good timing. <laughs> yes. <coughs> yes, he appears to do, you know. Um, he's a, Neil Young is doing what Neil Young has done for, for quite a long time now, which is attend to the brand values of Neil Young. Nobody has worked harder than Neil Young. And he does it at, at polishing his brand values. He is yeah. dressed as Neil Young. He, he is dressed as Neil Young. He's got a he's check saying, shirt. He's saying something Neil Young-like. Yeah, know, exactly. You kind of know what he's going to do, really. Completely. He did. He does exactly what it says on the tin. So we shall, uh, you know, we shall have to see how this uh, how this pans out in six months' time. I don't know. The Word Podcast: Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. So Adele calls off these shows, this run of shows in Las Vegas, you know, just at pretty much at the last minute, massively inconveniencing a certain number of people who were determined to be the first ones to be there and shelled out for plane tickets and hotels and God knows what involved. You know, the the original, I mean, there's all kinds of speculation about what it, what caused the postponement. Was it COVID? Was it some kind of falling out with the, the set designer. I, the, the, the latest story I read this morning is they're falling out with her boyfriend. I, I don't know, didn't know. But what you do know is this, Mark. Some, somewhere along the line, 
there was a catastrophic failure of nerve, wasn't there, about yes. this whole thing. You know, as they got nearer and nearer to doing it and rehearsed and prepared it and had a million meetings, they thought, oh, God, no, we can't go ahead for one reason or another. And It is, uh, it is an amazing story because you know it's 24 hours before the end of the show, wasn't you? And the excuse was, you say, that half the crew were done. Well, a crew can be replaced. You know, there was the argument with the designer, which may be the crucial issue, actually. But, I mean, I, what was so astonishing is that people had flown. Yeah. Imagine this. Okay, you're a big, you're a British fan of uh, anywhere in the world. You've flown there. The tickets, I think, the cheapest ticket was $85. Uh, dollars. I think uh, a lot of people were paying $700 oh, yeah, per were, ticket. So you're paying. flying to Las Vegas and all the complications that now involve yes you're staying in a hotel you're about to go the next night and her response was a to cancel the shows and then b to direct people so i know you're disappointed but but um there is a merchandise Yo. shop in las vegas you know and if you go there apparently you can get you know pairs of uh, adele socks for 11 pounds <laughs> or a bottle of adele branded wine for 55 <laughs> quid so you can go but you're not going home empty-handed yeah so at least it hasn't, hasn't been wasted <laughs> how furious would you be yeah that's i can't the, get over it that wasn't very well judged and the other but thing i, I, I think is go, interesting go on, go on, no, I was go on. Say, the other thing is interesting is that is that i don't think of of adele as being a wildly theatrical concept you know uh, no. you know i think that of, was the, uh, that was the, always the whole point wasn't it yeah it was yeah, kind yeah. Of if, if little Rihanna, me with my big voice yeah yeah yeah, if it's that was Rihanna the deal. or it's Beyonce or something, yeah, and they say, oh, look, yeah. the set, yeah. you know, there's some problems with the staging. And, you know, yeah. you think, okay, I'm not getting the experience that I expected. But Adele is about a voice and about a personality. And, you know, Adele could evidently just entertain you just sitting on a bar stool, you know. So the idea that she's saying, oh, the sets weren't right, indicates the priority, the high priority these days about the idea of spectacle, don't you think? This has been the case in live musical entertainment since the Rolling Stones Steel Wheels tour. I don't yeah, know when that Giant was. inflatables. They were the first people. Yeah. Mick Jagger was the first person. Yeah. And Charlie Watts yeah. were the first people to realise, okay, if we're charging people more and more money and we're citing them further and further away from the thing that they've come to see and hear, we have to do something to compensate for that distance from the thing. Yeah. And that's why when people, when, you know, neighbours of mine go to see, you know, huge, great, big, spectacular shows, the kind of things that people brag about having gone to see at neighbourhood barbecues afterwards, they never, ever, in my experience, ever make any observation which could be described as musical. Ever. No, never, never. They never say, do you know the version of Sound Sound they did? No, 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 no. They say, what was good about it? Well, what was good about it was the songs and the way she sung them. What they always say is, there are very shorthands, aren't there? One is fireworks. Yes. You know, and I always think that about fireworks generally, actually. Oh, I don't mind a firework. But the concept of fireworks is just an instant shorthand for, it was amazing. Thank you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> There were fireworks. It's oh, well, true. okay, right. I've got a mental image. How and actually, and actually sorry, can I interrupt? The, the, the proof of that is the use of fireworks in at sporting occasions during the day. Yeah, yeah. When you can't bloody see them. Yeah, yeah But yeah. basically they're saying, I know you paid a fortune for this, but look, here's a few quid back that we're yeah. just... And we you can tell people the there were fireworks. 
I, I can vaguely remember the, 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 the well, not very, very, very clearly, actually, the Dark Side of the Moon show at Nebworth, where it was, it must be in 1975. And the Pink Floyd had a, firstly, a fly fly pass with Spitfires. And then they had they had a, a, a plane going down a wire, wonky old model plane, not very big, <laughs> going down a wire into the back of the stage, at which point it detonated a fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can remember thinking, A, it was a bit weedy, but it made it very easy to tell people about the experience of being Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Because yeah. you didn't say, oh, well, they was really did a brilliant version of money, or whatever. You said there was this sort of spectacle. Yeah, it's spectacle. it all became, you know, and that's the, that's the absurd thing about Adele is that nobody's expecting there to be kind of giant inflatables or cannons or, you know what I mean? Or well, except if you're paying a lot of money, you maybe yeah. are. Because, you know, I think if you pay more than a certain amount of money, and I don't know what it is, 50 quid, 80 yeah. quid or whatever, you're no longer paying for the music. You're playing for either the uniqueness of the occasion, you know, so case in point, Kate Bush at Hammersmith. Yeah. Or you're paying for massive spectacle. You know, if you go and see Beyonce, you're, they're going to fill the stage with dancers. They just will, you know. Yeah. It, it will look like a West End show. In fact, that's the other thing that's interesting. During the 70s and 60s, there was nobody in the West End musical business involved in the popular music business. Nowadays, they really are. You know, they're using the same designers, the same special effects Completely. as I use in the big, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber shows and so forth in the West End. Um, and so the more you pay, the less it has to do with music, I think. That's the way it strikes me. And I going back to my point about failure of nerve, if you're aware of how much your audience are paying, you start to get nervous that they might, might be disappointed. Out, they might be disappointed. And so this is this is where you you come up against the thing that every every star musician has a problem with, you know, which is imposter syndrome. You know, will they at some point, will I get rumbled at some yeah. point? Will people go? You're only you're only Bruce Springsteen, or you're yeah, yeah, you're yeah. only so and so. You're it's mortal. a bunch of songs. People, you're mortal, absolutely. Whereas the deal is that they they sort of believe you're immortal because that's yeah. why they pay that much money. Yeah, it? that's what justifies it. And, but also, uh, you you could argue that I don't know, 30, 40 years ago, if you started a tour, you could start a tour kind of unobserved yeah you could you know you could go off to sweden and play in a little club and try out the material yeah, and do yeah. a few dates to warm yeah. yourself up not anymore. you could start at the retford porterhouse and not even the record mirror would be there to review yeah, yeah. but now whatever you do it's just going to be internationally announced and that if it doesn't work it's going to trip up your the entire um you know publicity for your for your tours throughout the year you know oh no it's an amazing story as is, have you been following the the, the pop tiffs? Pop tiffs. tiffs, top pop oh, tiffs. Great. I love a pop tiff. <laughs> but the Damon Albarn. What's your What's your favourite pop tiff of the week? I, I know what mine well, is. What's week, yours? Well, it's Morrissey and Mar. I think. Yeah, that's my favourite. That's my favourite. But Damon Albarn, as far as I can see, Damon Albarn was talking to the LA Times, wasn't he? And yes. and, and was talking about uh, very kind of condescendingly about Taylor Swift and saying she's a good songwriter because because she she's she she's a, she has co-writers. So yeah. that doesn't count, which is kind of fundamentally wrong because, um, you know, actually, uh, you know, she she does have co-writers, but she's written a huge amount of material on her own. And the person that he really liked was Billie Eilish. Well, actually, Billie Eilish has a co-writer. Doesn't she write most of her songs with her brother? 
Oh, really? I'm I pretty just... sure, Cyrus. So they didn't even do that. Like, they were watching one. Well, should be like Billie Eilish. And you could argue that anyway, even if you write your own songs, the lyrics and the music, you know, the contributions of the people that that perform that and arrange that, it is a big part of how it all turns definitely, out. Definitely, definitely. Everything's collaborative, you know. Absolutely. But he had to offer a. a, a, a it's a, a, it's the apologies is what gets me. <laughs> you know, I seem to remember a time when rock stars they didn't apologize and they didn't explain they yeah. just kept going yeah <laughs> and I, do you know i kind of like that really <laughs> public apologies just drive me mad i do know? too because it's never enough is it really you know that they they apologize copiously and then they have to go on tv and apologize again and you know what do you want to do walk through the streets lashing themselves over the with shoulders birch twigs. Yeah. with birch yeah. twigs exactly i i don't know really but anyway there was the falling out between cardi b did you follow that story over there she's yeah she's got cardi a big payoff and, and tasha k and cardi b is a kind of massive lawsuit she's been awarded four million dollars <laughs> i mean unsurprisingly this this blogger has claimed that she was a prostitute a cocaine user and also various other rather unsavory things i like. tend to avoid saying that about anybody really i, I find best, it's best a good rule of life public. <laughs> best not to say it in public but i mean $25,000 of the settlement was for medical expenses. So you're talking now here about people being upset by things, you know. And if you can legally argue that you're upset and that your career has been temporarily derailed by something, then it's going to stop people making any comments about anybody, isn't it? The yeah. pop tiff is over. Really? Well, except it's never over as long as there's breath in Morrissey's body. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because he... They, when he published a statement on his on his website or his Facebook page, well, or what that... he called he called it an open letter. So it was very funny because that's so Morrissey. The idea of an open letter, you know, and I think Johnny Marr said it was <laughs> the open letter hasn't been a thing since 1953. <laughs> yeah, that was really true. No, but he's basically Johnny Marr does tend to mention him, doesn't he? The things he tweets. About. Well, and why wouldn't you? To be fair to Johnny Marr. Surely, whenever anybody sits down to interview Johnny Marr, they ask him about Morrissey. Surely, they yeah, just they do. do, because they want a quote about Morrissey. You know, it's it's and one of those things. Really, that's the thing. Well, I mean, the trouble is that whatever they do individually, the two of them, can they ever do anything that will be more interesting than the no. faint possibility that Smith might ever reunite? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah, yeah. But it's but so then, funny. His open letter. Is you know, please, can I basically begging Johnny Marr not to mention him in interviews again? And you would have thought, well, that's that's a pretty kind of provocative thing to say on its own. But then he just goes on, doesn't he? He yeah. goes on and on and on. He, it's a, it's but like he goes a, on in that way that Morrissey can't resist these kind of no. uh, over-embroidered flourishes. Yes. There's one bit I've got it here actually. There's one bit where he says, uh, "Must you persistently? That's, I can't do. I can't do his accent. But I kind of think that, of accent, kind that of, accent is better than his. Yeah, it, it, that's it's the I idea. Know. It's the idea that he talks like a faded actor manager. Like, it's a it's kind like of thespian accent. Donald Wolfit or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> they must you persistently. It's the death of Chatterton. You know that painting? <laughs> it's just a kind of man on couch mopping painting with couch. damp paw. <laughs> they must you persistently, year after year, decade after decade, blame me for everything. From the 2007 Solomon Islands tsunami to the dribble on your grandma's chin. You know, it's just absolutely ridiculous, really. It's but like it's something of... written in their sixth form magazine, isn't it? That nobody bothered to cut. You know, that's the problem with Morrissey. Nobody cuts him, do they? As yeah. as evidenced by Morrissey's, do you remember it or did it uh, or was it did it actually happen? Morrissey's autobiography. Do you remember that? Well, Called Morrissey's autobiography. autobiography. And it was a, like a like a brick, wasn't it? It's it was clearly not been edited by anybody. Yeah, it hadn't been edited. It was full of, again, of ridiculously over-exaggerated flourishes to get your attention. There's a bit in that autobiography, I think, where he's in a 400-yard race or something at school. And his father's watching and he comes forth and uh, and he says something like, um, and the father says, uh, you didn't win. And he looks away and life decomposed in a bucket. Uh. <laughs> it's just so brilliant. I said, mate, you know, what happens? You came forth. And it's not it's not the end of that. Life decomposed in a bucket. There was another bit in the in the letter to Johnny Murray says, uh, wherever I've got it here, he says, uh, you said, you have positioned yourself ever ready as a renter quote whenever the press require an ugly slant on something I half said during the last glacial period as the Colorado River began to carve out the Grand Canyon. He could say this has been going on a long time. For a while. For a while. He's a person who, who really should have um, you know, confined himself to the uh, the strictures, the parameters, <laughs> so to speak, of the pop song. Because there's a limit to how much of that you can do in a pop song. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit of it goes a long way. The problem with Morrissey is once somebody gives him a page to fill, he absolutely fills yeah. it, doesn't it? With with things he'd be better off not saying. And uh, and that's a classic case of <laughs> classic. It case. is, it's hilarious, I think. As you say, he's saying, don't mention me, and then just goes on mentioning him indefinitely. Yeah. Oh, it's terrific. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The Word Podcast. Fix yourself a drink and it's like being in the pub. <laughs>
That's very impressive. Well, we're joined by our birthday guest, uh, Patreon supporter, uh, Kevin Rose. Kevin, you come straight off the football pitch, is that right? Uh, well, off the side of the pitch, yeah. yeah. Go on, Literally. in what capacity? Go on. Uh, Under-12s manager. Well, all right. How's, that, um, how's the pressure being an under-12s manager? Presumably no different from being a manager of, uh, say, Tottenham Hotspur. Go on. Well, we're doing a slightly better than top Spurs. Yes, all right. This is the uh, danger that you could be sacked at any moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, my son wants to be sacked, but uh, we are top of the table, joint. It's going to go down to the wire. I think it's going to head-to-head with a Dulwich team. So, What's the name of the team? Uh, Athenley Park. So we're a Peckham, Peckham team. But I think Rio Ferdinand used to play for them. And uh, oh, we've wow. got there are four players in the Premier League who used to play for... Uh, Athenley, but of course, oh, see, there's a, there's a proper team. This well, is a proper the club team. don't get any money for that, of course. No, I'm yeah. sure, but no, yeah. you, you've obviously got a reputation. The you, you attract talent. Yeah, so did, you know, did you win today. We did. We won three nil. Yeah, oh, very good against the Lewisham team away in Bromley at. Uh, I'd be there at nine thirty. So how's the etiquette around uh, young people's football nowadays? I haven't done this for years. Uh, you know, the, I, I keep reading about, you know, pe- parents have been told not to shout at children on the on the, on the the mm. pitch and so Do you get any of that? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I try to stay when we can to go on the other side of the pitch to the parents. <laughs> so otherwise you can get in broad in conversation with this I parent. I bet you can. <laughs> and um, I know some leagues, they have this respect line. So they have a line that you've got to... A respect line. Oh yes. my God, that's oh, that's a good idea. You see, I don't mind the respect line. Whereas you know, and it's it does take you when you don't expect it. I have had a row with a ref once, which I wasn't pleased about. But uh, it was actually the same guys today. Actually, didn't remember it, but um, because he was a manager of the other team and he was just allowing them to kick seven shades of what's it at us. Um, but I know it's uh, it's generally okay. You do get some yeah after the game. There's a bit of after sometimes that parent other <laughs> opposition parents will just. Yes. Come up to you. So um I bet. I bet. it's it must require ridiculous amounts of diplomacy. I you see, well, I, I yeah. know I know my, my son used to play rugby and um and I used to go every week. And I have never been more involved in a sporting sporting relationship in my life than just watching mm-hmm. it with your own child. And I always think, what's it like if your child's David Beckham or you yeah. Know, yeah. I mean, what the hell is that like, you know? Because you well, must go up and down according to how well they do. Yeah, I mean, we when we started, I think it was under 10s, under 9s, and we lost most of the games. And it is difficult to, you know, to, to lift them up. And we played a team last week. They, they, they were really nice. The manager was really nice. But they went. They were better than us in the first half, the first half, but they had no striker. And then we eventually scored and their heads went down. We beat them 7-0. And right. you do feel for people in that situation, but um, you know what do you do. But next year it goes up to eleven aside, so that's the big. Oh, I see. So what yeah. are you at the moment? You're nine aside. Yeah, but we play on big pitches. It it does give you an insight into the, you know, the whole thing about we should play in small pitches, small. Yeah, no, sure, yeah, sure, sure. We just play big pitches. It's a lot of you know teams just hoof it up. So, uh, but, and it, but interestingly, my co-manager, co-coach is uh, younger than me, taller than me, and he's an Arsenal fan. Right. And so we have a quite an interesting balance between Spurs and Arsenal. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you won today. So, you know, you, you, you're not going to be kicking the cap when you go home or whatever. No, no. Nobody's got anything to fear. Oh, yeah. Kevin, I'm going to throw this at you. We've just been talking about this. Um, bands who've, um, <laughs> whose songs have produced what are effectively 
slogans for the band themselves to the extent that you might recognize the bands from the slogans. Okay. okay. I'm going to try this on you and okay. see if you it's recognize this pop quiz. The, the it's okay. I'm going to start with a simple one. Gabba, Gabba, Hey. Well, that's not simple. Gosh. Okay, I'll tell you, it's the Ramones. It's the Ramones. Well, it's course, actually... I see, that's the one band that I, I missed the meeting for the Ramones. Maybe I'm too young. <laughs> really? By the time I listened to them, I thought, well, this is just 12 bars with... Because I'm just that bit too young for that era, I think. Oh, really? you know? Well, then you won't do terribly well on on the... Uh, what a long, strange trip it's been. Yeah, what you, no. does that mean anything to you? What a long, no. strange trip. That's the Grateful Dead. From from trucking. What about tramps like us? Tramps like us. God. Now that's Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> what about that song? But I know the song. It said Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Uh, the thin White Duke. The thin White Duke. Well, David Duke. Bowie. That's David ah. Bowie. Yeah. Do you know what song it's from? You see, that's people. Oh. Yeah. It's from station to station. It is. It's yes. station to station. Oh, I'm redeeming myself slightly. No, absolutely. No, listen, you're, you're just a guinea pig. We're just we're just talking about this. That mm. There's no there's no no shame whatsoever. What were the other ones we were, 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 were yeah. talking about, Alex? Yeah. If you tolerate uh, this. We imagine. talked about. Yeah, if you tolerate this, your children will be next. Is that Mannix? Yeah. yeah, there you go. You see, yeah. so uh, the, the people out there may have other ones that they'd like to see. You don't need a weatherman so, to know which way the wind blows. You don't need, yeah, yeah. that's Bob Dylan. You see, well, you know, I think the ceremony is about to begin, which is in a Doors uh, lyric. I think that's a kind of slogan. You can yeah. see them on a poster. If you'd said, if, if you were told that the band, well, this clearly wouldn't happen with the Doors, then if you saw, you know, this particular slogan, you'd think that completely fits. That's what they're all about. Yeah. Yeah, There's probably yeah. a Pink Floyd one that I'm sure Roger Waters. There will be, won't they? Yeah, I hadn't thought of Pink Floyd. True. There must be a Pink Floyd one. And uh, guys, girl what? power, girl, we had, yes, girl power. But that's like yeah. a slogan on its own, really, rather than yeah. something yeah. taken out mm. of a song. So, uh, so Kevin, your birthday. When is your birthday? Is it, today? it was on Friday. Yeah. All right. How did you celebrate? I actually had my work's Christmas lunch. Oh, uh, yeah. Christmas, oh, they yes, it was. They uh, got a bit cold. Did somebody put a, a saucer over it to keep it warm? It was, uh, <laughs> you know, a COVID-related uh, postponement. Yeah. And then friends ran in the evening, and yesterday went to a nice restaurant. And today, actually, a friend of mine has got me a ticket with him to go and see the rooftop concert at the IMAX uh, with a Ooh. Q&A from Peter Jackson. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I'm very much looking forward well, to just that. Is that now an edit? Just the concert, it is. Well, he it? said it's the rooftop concert and maybe a little bit more. But, you yeah. see, what it'll be, Mark, is what, that's, that's we, what saw. we saw at the premiere. Yeah. What we saw at the premiere, because that was a cut of the uh, best of that, the... You'll be, seeing, you'll be seeing the premiere, basically. Great. Which is fantastic. Yeah. And is Peter Jackson, is he in the UK? Is he here? Apparently so, yeah. There's Q&A with him. I, I... Oh, well, that's... Oh, a live. What a fantastic yeah. present. Yeah. So does that mean you've, you've watched all six hours plus? Of oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> very much. So a couple of times, actually. A couple of times. I have not, too. not too I'm young I'm, for I'm that. I'm back on the third now. I, can't, I just <laughs> can't stop. Yeah, I just can't well, stop. Actually the first give us, give us a favourite moment. Oh, um, uh, certainly the, oh, well, I like the bit, there's some strange bits where um, George is, you know, the whole thing about the bow tie. Oh, yeah. Why he wants a bow tie. And then it's like they're not the right colour. And then the next day, John Lennon's wearing a bow tie as well. 
when he's sitting on the floor, I think. Which it's not is the same bow tie. No, but it's just that sort of we fancy this, Mal. Can you? Yeah, get Mal is dispatched, isn't he, to go yeah. and buy one? I love that without any complaint at all. That's my job. The, the great, the great unexplained story of the first one is, and because Mal Evans is no longer around to answer it, is where does he get a bloody anvil from? Mm, in Twickenham. In Twickenham. Yeah. I mean, what do you yeah. do? You can't go to an ironmonger's and say, do you happen to have an anvil around? Surely they don't have them around, do they? Then you have to lug it, lug it back. They've got to take yeah. it the studio. Yeah. It's absolutely fantastic. But so, the whole thing, just the narrative of it is great. Uh, you know, the first one ends with George leaving and then the whole Billy Preston coming. Yeah. And just the way that you actually see the Beatles as they could be as a really tight unit. And trusting people like Billy Preston, who they knew before they were famous, and just working, and you know, in that sort of shorthand that they had between them, and they were really, you know, despite all the rows and all the Alan Klein stuff, they were just in the moment. They were. Well, really- so McCartney's uh, always said this: when we were playing music, we were never a problem at mm. all. It's only when we had a meeting. I tell you what struck me. I was thinking about this the other day: is that John Lennon, you know, died what, forty years ago, isn't it? Yeah, is that right? 41 years ago, yeah. So we've remembered him since via his quotes. And quotes have a tendency <laughs> to be quite, you know, bald and, and cold. Whereas when you see him talking, a live human being, yes, there's a kind of warmth. Yeah, there's a the, the, the like that, isn't there? You, there yeah. is a lightness. Yeah, the colour. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was a lot more animated than I expected him to be as well. I thought that in that later period, he just became a bit addled and kind of within himself, but he was a lot more um, sparky than I expected him to be, for sure. And as you say, there was, you know, once you um, once you kind of got the paralinguistics around what he was saying as well, a whole new dimension became apparent to, to his jaundice. What do you say? The paralinguistics? Paralinguistics, yeah. Wow. Never heard Does that, that involve downhill skiing? I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. <but> yeah. <laughs> is that... Triple oh, linguistics—it's—it's it's elements of communication that don't involve speech. Oh, oh right, okay. Yeah. I'm so Kevin, Kevin's our I'm birthday guest, uh, which is uh, which is nice to see. Traditionally, with birthday guests, they have you got a question or anything you'd like to raise? Go or on. Go on, I've got a question got? for you guys, which is a sort of a two-parter. All right. But in your career as sort of music journalist, maybe you know, smash hits onwards, whatever. Was there anybody that you really thought was fantastic? sort of maybe championed a bit, but inexplicably never got the success they deserved. And on the flip side, was there somebody that you had to keep putting on the cover, but you, for the <laughs> life of you, couldn't understand the attraction at all? Uh, well, there's, Ooh, always, there's always people that you, you, you... I mean, you learn slowly over a period of time that um, there's, there's certain people there's just no point pushing. <laughs> you, know? Mm. You, you know, I always... Uh, okay, Kirsty McCall. I always thought Kirsty McCall's a fantastic songwriter, fantastic artist. I actually, it's my claim to fame, put her on the cover of Smash It, saying what must have been when, Mark? Would have been, I, I guess, 1980 or 81. It was the time of, um, there's was, a guy down in chip shops where's his Elvis. I think yeah. it's 81, yeah. Okay. And, uh, but, you know, there was never any great following wind behind Kirsty McCall. It's what you learned. What you, I'll tell you what you learned about this is that it's more than just talent. It's more mm. than just music. There were not loads of people who wanted to be identified as Kirsty McCall fans. They might like her, but, you know, it, it didn't mean anything more than the music. And so I always backed Kirsty McCall all the way she was making records. 
And the, in, behind everything I ever wrote about her, there was a slight hurt that it <laughs> never really took off. Mm. And uh, but you know that's that's just the way it is. And of course, there's lo- and, and equally you learn that there are lots of people that you don't particularly like don't warm, warm to yourself, mm. but are um, but are really popular with people. Yeah. And, and even those people I've sort of warmed to over the years. We were talking about one the other day, Mark and I, with um, with somebody uh, who was a, a birthday guest or whatever, uh, talking about Gary Newman. Yeah. And, I, and now I look at Gary Newman and it's 40, 50 years later, I think. With real fondness. Real fondness. I think mm. best of luck to you, Gary Newman. You got away with it. You kept it going for years. You haven't gone mad, you know, and lots of people have. Uh, whereas at the time I used to think, oh, top suck, you know. But yeah. you, you just. But that's only because he seemed kind of dull yeah. and uncooperative, yeah. you know. Yeah. But no, yeah. you, the interesting thing I think is that is that is that um, there are a load of people you put on the cover that you didn't feel any particular response to, but they just had a constituency, and the people yeah. who sold were people who who people absolutely adored. Yeah. So it's the Nick Caves and it's the Joni Mitchells and it's the, it's the Tom Waits. You know, it's people that, that that they don't have an enormous following. That the following they do have is very, very, very devoted. It's their their the people, the people standing who didn't sell are people who are just really, really popular. Like Phil Collins, put Phil Collins in front of a magazine, it would die like a louse in a Russian's beard. Was Dido? Yeah. Do you remember that day? I once yeah, put oh, Dido yeah, yeah. on the cover of a magazine. Disaster, because no, there's no real fan base. No, it's popular. No. You know, and is there? I just go on. I was just going to say, David, on the back of what you said, my other sort of thought was whether is there a, are there people who back in the day were really obnoxious <laughs> and now have maybe either through just the passage of time or somebody had a word with them and said, look, if you're going to make a comeback, you can't be a total whatever. And I'm not saying Gary Newman because you mentioned Gary no, Newman. No, I have no reason to believe Gary Newman's ever been obnoxious. But yeah. I think what happens is, is when people are there, okay, this is what happens with being a pop star. There, there are two, okay. There are two states of being a pop star. The first state is nobody wants to know. The second state is everybody wants to know. There's nothing in between. And so pop musicians go from, you know, desperately trying to get noticed to desperately trying to make the world go away immediately overnight. And so when you meet them, it's generally at the point when they're absolutely on top of the tree and everybody wants a piece of them. And then if they're ever going to manifest any arrogance, they're going to manifest it at that point. Mm. 40 years later, they're not often like that at all because they've they've seen the world change, you know. And the thing I find is really odd, and I'm sure Mark's found the same thing, is if you're kind of around this world for a long period of time, people assume they've met you even though they haven't. And so, you know, yeah, I might meet somebody who I've written about years ago, and they go, how are you doing? And I think, you never met me at all. I've never met you. You just kind of think you we assume have. You must have bumped you know, kind of been in the same world, you know. And so, and so after, after a while, there's a kind of survivor's fraternity, mm-hmm. you know, kicks in. You know, oh, we're all still here. You know, so people, people, people are less edgy when they're in the sixties and seventies. Unless you're what you say, Mark. Well, I was going to say that, that to talk about what, what Kevin was saying that it's it's the old gag, isn't it? It's the old gag that they used about Hollywood and about everyone about fame. Yeah. So it's always kind of there are four stages of fame, aren't there? Which is who's Mark Armand? Get me Mark Armand. 
get me the new Mark Armand. And who's Mark Armand? You know, that's that's just you're going to put any name in there at all. And that's the process that you go through as a, as somebody achieving some kind of notoriety. And it must be really hard to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot very... of people who are really difficult. The most difficult David I ever dealt with, he's not around now to defend himself, would be Lou Reed, I think. He was just absolutely the most unbelievable curmudgeon. And uh, which was preposterous because Lou Reed spent more of his life talking to the press than virtually anybody else. But he claimed to loathe and detest and mistrust the press. But without the press, he wouldn't really have got any publicity. He needed explaining. It's like Van Morrison. The reason you know Van Morrison doesn't like interviews is he does so many bloody interviews. You know, if he did, if he really didn't want to do interviews, he wouldn't do them at all. You know. But I have a very brief anecdote about uh, Lou Reed, which is a friend of mine. She had this boyfriend who was a Welsh guy and they went to New York for, the week, for a week on holiday. And he said, oh, we're going to see my uncle. And uh, and then they rang up the uncle. He rang up and he said, yeah, yeah, come round. And he said, we're going to my friend's house, Lou's house. So they went round and it was when they reformed back in the 90s, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lou Reed had just moved him and Laurie Anderson uh, to, to this place and they didn't have any things up apart from pictures of Lou. That's, <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what the three other members of the Velvet Underground were doing when they reformed? Which was, yeah. I think, was two thousand and three. I can't remember now. It's really interesting. They, um, uh, Mo Tucker was working for Walmart. Yes. Sterling Morrison was piloting uh, a riverboat. A, a riverboat. Like. <laughs> he was a riverboat pilot. I mean, John Cale obviously was making very, yeah. very, very uh, avant-garde and, and uncommercial music, but, and Lou yeah. Reed was Lou Reed. So they were all really pissed off when when they all got back together again. And he kind of blew it for them. Mm. He completely blew it. He was utterly miserable and negative and horrible to everybody. And it was their one big chance to get back. And it could have yeah. been such But you see, it's, it's like, it's a bit like the Sex Pistols arriving in America. Why did the Sex Pistols never make it in America? Because the Sex Pistols could never arrive in America and go, it's great to be in America. No. It could work. Mm. Similarly, the Velvet Underground cannot reform and go, do you know, it's brilliant to be all be together, put our arms around each other, well, you know. It doesn't you can't do the whole concept of the, the concept Velvet Underground. doesn't work like that. It's like I saw them at Glastonbury. It must have been that year. I think it was 2000. And they came on at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a day like today, not a cloud in the sky with their black shirts and things. And already it seemed wrong. I mean, it's lovely to see them. It just didn't seem right. The Velvet Underground, the most nocturnal yes, concept yes. ever <laughs> invented. We're now playing in the middle of a field in glorious sunshine. <laughs> In Somerset, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, outside, you know, it doesn't work. Anyway. It, it doesn't work. No, no. Well, look, Kevin, it's been very nice to join you for you to join us, us to join you, whatever, on your birthday. Um, well, and well, it sounds, sounds to me as if you got a really good day sorted out. Your I team do. won three nil. You're off to see you're off to see a Beatles film and a special press conference. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's ever an alcoholic drink involved at some yes, point indeed. in the day. Yeah, so splendid a splendid day. And Spurs aren't playing, so they can't lose. Absolutely. Yes. So it's gonna be a good relax. Relax. At his heaven, all's well with the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. All the very best. This is a junction in the word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. So welcome back. Any other business? Well, it wasn't Kevin Rose good, our birthday guest. Really good. They, uh, yes. Come really, straight good, on the, really interesting questions. Off the really. football pitch. <laughs> yeah. uh, so if you are a Patreon supporter, you know, you can get your birthday marked in this fashion. 
And if you're not a Patreon supporter, maybe you'd like to consider becoming a Patreon supporter. And don't forget, if it's your first birthday, I mean, the first time we're but, celebrating your birthday, not you come to your first birthday, we do come down your digital chimney and, and go through, rifle through your record collection. We do. We show do. Show off all the things you've got. Uh, have we got anybody new joined this there, a Gus company in the last in the last week? Or the right? boatswain's whistle is out. The <laughs> That's great. We do indeed. Okay, so we have Steve Clark. Steve Clark, good man. Welcome aboard. I can hear the faint dog whistle. It's inaudible, Dave. I was, uh, it's hopeless, this. I'll tell you why. I, I, much as I appreciate Dave Holly buying this for us, um, it's very, I think it's a very difficult instrument to mic the bosun's whistle. I think it's fair to say. It, is, re- it cuts out, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> I couldn't hear uh, a lot, but I saw a load of Labradors congregating outside my yeah. window. Just <laughs> I was reading a thing this week, uh, Ken Scott, the memoirs of Ken Scott, you know, the engineer and producer. And Ken Scott was the engineer on um, on a really good, what I, what I, we, frankly, we have to call a seminal hard rock album. We should call Jeff the Mate. <laughs> yeah, well, all right, you've got to guess. You've got to guess. It's a seminal hard rock album, and Ken Scott engineered it. What is it, Mark Allen? Yeah, we talk, what era are we talking about? We talk about the Metallica. We talk about 1968. It's a seminal hard rock album. Seminal hard rock. Was it was made at Abbey Road Studios, and it's not Dave Dave You're in the right region. You're in the right area. Never got its due. Never got a due. A whole lot of it turned Is it a up. Black Sabbath record? No, it's not a Black Sabbath record. A whole lot of it, some might say, turned up the following year on the first Led Zeppelin album. But I'm talking about Truth by the Jeff Beck oh, Group. Oh, Jeff Beck, yes. Which is, if anybody's never heard it, it's a fantastic record. Jeff Beck Group at the time was Mickey Waller on the drums, Ron Wood on the bass guitar, Jeff Beck on guitar, and somebody called Rod Stewart singing. And it also had Nicky Hopkins on piano. Uh, and they made it at Abbey Road. And they decided they did Morning Dew, the Tim Rose song. Yeah. And they decided that for some reason they wanted bagpipes on it. And so no trouble at Abbey Road. No, they just ring up the bagpipe guy. He comes straight around, you know, some uncredited Scottish musician. And Ken Scott had the, had the problem of how do you mic bagpipes? Oh, that's good. Because you, first of all, have to work out where the noise is coming from. And it's apparently hell, quite... Surely. Sorry? The depths of hell, surely. But it comes from the top of the pipes rather than the thing that you're playing at the bottom, isn't it? Isn't that right? I think it does. He had great difficulty miking it. He had yeah. to dry loads and loads of mics in different areas. That's so. the other weird thing about the bagpipes is, is that they keep playing even when the person isn't blowing. I think all you've got to do is inflate the bag. It's the bag, isn't it, that keeps the wind going out. Uh, Very it, reminds, cool. it reminds me of the old joke about male, the problem with male ballet dancers, that not everything stops when the music does. <laughs> so anyway, that's the Boston's whistle and the bagpipes and the genitalia. We have some more patients. Go on. Go on. Uh, Chris McCourt. They, Chris hello, McCourt, Chris. old friend hello. of mine. Lovely. Is he oh, really? Bless him. Yeah, he is. All right. Very Chris good. is now in the Very south good. of France. Lovely. All right. Gosh. Go on. Si- Simon Allen. Hello, Simon. Hello, Simon. Nice to have you on board. The mysterious O. No, oh, is it okay. just somebody called the big O oh, or the mysterious O? I just O. Oh, I just have O. Oh. Okay. Well, yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Mm. David Martin. 
That's straightforward, David. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank and you. Steve Pride. Steve Pride. They must Excellent. all now be feeling a bit prosaic compared to the big O. Yeah. The mysterious yeah. O. Yeah. So if you'd like Very to good. join if you'd like to join their company, uh patreon.com uh slash word in your ear. Patreon supporters will soon be getting early notice of an exciting event that we've got coming up later in the year, Alex. Indeed. What's, what's the date? Remind me of the date. It's in June, isn't it? The date is uh, June the 18th. Which is June the 18th. Saturday, June the 18th in Holland Park in West London. In, in, we, we will can pre- guarantee glorious sunshine. We can we guarantee glorious sunshine. Guaranteed last year. Yes, we did we it last right. year. Yeah. We're going to have a, a second word in your park. And so Patreon supporters will be getting uh, notice of that before anybody else does. We, sh- we should also probably book. mention that we're, we, we're going to be imminently dropping, as the kids say, a new uh, Patreon-only series, aren't we? Oh, oh right. Yeah, dropping, yes. Dropping. There's, we, we will yeah. be drop, dropping um, a, a new a new, a new series, series. Uh, especially for, for Patreon uh, supporters, which we're calling Down the Rabbit Hole. It's good stuff. And uh, and basically, there are some conversations of a rockular nature. Rockular, yeah. That are so strange and obscure and, uh, and uh, so related to our own personal enthusiasms that usually they only take place on the telephone between me and Mark Ellen or the two of us in a pub. Well, we decided that there might be some people who would enjoy hearing some of those conversations. And so we just pick an obscure subject, and I believe the expression is dilate upon it. No, is that that's fair? Oh, that's great. Dilate upon it for, I don't know, 20 minutes. We inv- and, investigate uh, with ridiculous enthusiasm for tiny, tiny details, <laughs> we just, which we love. And we think you might too. We pick, we, we, we search, we scan rocks, rich tapestry with our fingertips until we find a loose thread <laughs> and then we just tug and we dug we dug and we dug this podcast was brought to you by the word Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.